Holy Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So, a question. What is the most common source of conflict in a relationship, whether it's marriage or some other close relationship? What do you think might be the most common source of disagreement and conflict? Maybe money, okay. Uh, It could be sex. It could be the kids. You can make a strong case, I think, for any one of those, but I think those are really symptoms of a deeper problem. And that deeper problem is unrealistic or unmet expectations. That is to say, when you place expectations upon another person, you have a relationship not with that person, but with your expectations of that person. And for that reason, I think expectation is the mother of all frustration, because when we project our expectations upon others, we're we're looking for something from them that they either cannot give or will not give. We're expecting them to be what they're not, perhaps, what they cannot be. And something like that is happening in our gospel reading for this morning. Peter has just confessed Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was last week's gospel. That's the verses immediately before our gospel reading for today. And that confession is absolutely spot on. But now Jesus is going to reveal what the Christ, the Son of the living God, is actually called to do. And Peter strongly objects because that does not meet his expectations of what the Christ is and who the Christ should be, what he ought to be doing. And so Peter rebukes, he takes Jesus aside and he rebukes him. But Jesus stands his ground, and he turns and he rebukes Peter. And he says, Peter, you're more concerned about what men think rather than what God thinks. And so in our gospel reading for today, it it breaks itself down quite naturally into two paragraphs. The first paragraph, Jesus defines his mission. This is what the Christ will do. And the second paragraph He describes for us that his mission will define us. Who he is creates who we become. Roman numeral one in your sermon outline. The Christ who bears a cross bestows a cross. He gives crosses. Letter A, Jesus saves us. That's verses 21 to 23, the first paragraph. And letter B, we follow, verses 24 to 27. Those verses are the result of verses 21 to 23. You and I here today are the result of what our Lord has accomplished for us in his earthly ministry, his suffering, dying, and rising again. And so Christ's saving work has such a powerful draw, as such a powerful magnetism upon us that we follow him. 
But like Peter, we may be a little foggy as to what following him really means. And that brings us to Roman numeral two. The promise of life without a cross comes not from God, but from the devil. Letter A, he offers, the devil offers Christ a kingdom without a cross. A kingdom without a cross. During the temptation in the wilderness, he shows our Lord all the kingdoms of the earth, and he says, this will all be yours if you fall down and worship me. Of course, Christ refuses the easy path to kingdom rule. He chooses the cross instead. But that's the temptation. And then, let it be, the devil actually renews the offer through Peter in verse 22. And this foundation stone of the church, Petros, Peter, becomes a stumbling stone or a potential stumbling stone to Jesus. Now, all of us, you, you may be aware, all of us are stones, according to Scripture. Uh, we're not dull as stones, but we're stones in this structure called the church. And the foundation of this structure called the church is the apostles and the prophets, with Christ himself being the cornerstone. But all of us have a place. All of us are stones somewhere in this structure. And so, number two, under part B, you're a stone in the structure, just like Peter is, but you could also be a stone of stumbling to someone. In Matthew 18, Jesus warns us, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me, speaking of little children, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for him if a millstone was tied around his neck and he's thrown into the depth of the sea. You see, we become stumbling blocks to others when we fail to bear our own crosses. Just like Peter, we can give offense to others and cause them to stumble. And stumbling and falling is a metaphor in the scripture for falling away from Jesus. We can contribute to that through our offenses. And then number three, even Jesus is a stumbling stone. He is the cornerstone of this structure we call the church. But he's also described in the scripture as a stone of stumbling. Not because he gives offense, but because people take offense at him. They're offended by his words or by what he came to do. Many people are offended by the sight of God dying on a cross for sinners. It's offensive to them. The things he says, they can take offense at. He doesn't mean to give offense, but people can take offense and they can stumble over him, you see. So we're all like Christ in that sense. We're stones in this superstructure, and yet we can also be stones of stumbling, for, but for different reasons. Roman numeral three, 
The promise of life with a cross comes not from the devil, it comes from Jesus himself. Letter A, Psalm 32, verse 10. The wicked have many sorrows, but no crosses. The wicked have many sorrows, but never a cross. Letter B, the cross is that suffering which results from your faithfulness to Christ. It results from faithfulness to Christ. So suffering is experienced by all people. We live in a fallen world ever since Genesis 3. Illness and death follow us throughout life. It's a fallen world. We all suffer. But only Christians bear crosses. And the cross is a specific kind of suffering. For you or for me, it could literally mean someday losing our lives as martyrs because we believe in Christ. It could be that. It happens around the world all the time, every single day. People die simply because they follow Jesus. But first and foremost, bearing a cross means this, and, and this is in our text. It means disowning yourself today and every day. Denying yourself today and every day. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. The two go together. One explains the other. Letter C, to deny yourself is to disown not only your sins, you should always disown your sins, but Christ calls you to go beyond that. To deny yourself is to disown not just your sins, but yourself, your very self. And this is illustrated, I think a good example of what I'm getting at is in Matthew 26, where our Lord has been placed under arrest, and Peter follows at a distance. You know, this is the one who's going to lay down his life for Jesus, right? But then when he's questioned by a little girl, well, aren't you one of those Galileans that was with him? And he denies it. And then another little girl, <laughs> a little girl, comes up to him, and Peter cowers, you know, and says, I know not the man. I don't know the man. And what Peter says of Jesus, disowning him in that way, is what you and I are called to do. When we look in the mirror and we see that person staring back at us and we say to him, I don't know you. That's denying oneself. To deny yourself is to look in the mirror and see that person staring back. And when that person suggests to you things to think that you know are wrong or things to say or do that you know are wrong, you look back and you say, I don't know you. You're a stranger to me. I know not that man. You disown not just your sins, but yourself. It's the martyrdom of the self. And if you're not daily disowning 
that person that you see in the mirror, you're not bearing your cross. Now, I'll tell you this, the devil knows your weaknesses. He knows how to cause you to stumble and fall. He knows how to tempt you. But that person looking back at you in the mirror knows your weaknesses as well. And when you allow yourself to be carried away by sinful thoughts, desires, and actually follow through and carry those through in actions, you're not bearing your cross. You're you're not suffering for Christ. St. Paul describes suffering for Christ in his letter to the Galatians. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then he goes on. He says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, meaning that man in the mirror. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. You see, that is Christian suffering. That is dying to self. And it is rising again to live a new life daily. Letter D. The last day must become your North Star. It must become your goal in life. And as we've said before, again, I'm just quoting Luther. I do this a lot because it impresses me uh, to say these words because they're so true. There's only two days in your life that matter. Today, because you don't have tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. You could die tonight. Today and the last day. Because on the last day, the Lord sets everything right. He rights all wrongs. He levels the playing field. He lifts up the lowly and brings down the haughty. And to bear the cross means this. It means that Christ's approval of you on the last day means more to you than the approval of all your peers today. To bear the cross means that what Jesus sees you doing in secret means more to you than what your peers see you doing in public. That is suffering for Christ. That's denying yourself. That's bearing the cross. In letter E, Christ is worth any price you must pay to follow him. He's worth any price you must pay. Why? Because when it comes to life, Jesus is himself the ultimate reality. You know, there's all these reality shows on TV. It's imitation of reality. Reality is Jesus. Authenticity is Christ himself. You may recall when a whole bunch of disciples walked away from Jesus in John chapter 6. He turned to the 12 and he said, will you also go away? And, and how did Peter respond? He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, faith understands that there is no reasonable alternative to Jesus. Nothing else in life compares with him. No one else in life rivals him. Jesus isn't simply alive. He is life. All things have been made through him and for him. And the lives we now live are the result of the life 
he himself lives. Our lives of self-denial are simply a reflection of his life of self-denial. And our crosses that we bear are simply the result of his own cross. We are who we are because of who he is. And if the Christian life can be compared to driving an automobile, then Jesus fills up the entire windshield. If you have faith to see that, he fills up your entire field of vision. Because how you conduct yourself in every part of life, whether it's marriage or children or the workplace as an employer or as an employee, how you conduct yourself in every avenue of life simply flows out of the way Jesus is toward you and me. He's that important. And that's why St. Paul wrote, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, all of us know what death is. Death has taken our loved ones, and one day it will take us down to the grave. But to us who believe, Jesus is himself more real even than death. He is to us more real and more authentic than anything else in life. I think the picture on today's bulletin cover illustrates how Christ's life and death explains your life and your death. We don't follow just anyone. We follow the one who loved us and gave himself for us. We follow the one who bears the cross. We follow the one who said no to himself in the Garden of Gethsemane so that he might say yes to God and to all of us at the cross. And that explains who we are today. And that also explains why we can look at that stranger in the mirror and say, I no longer know you, but I know the one who lived and died for me. I know the one whom I follow, and I know that he truly is worth any price that I must pay in order to follow him. He is worth anything I must give up, even my very self, that I might belong to him. In Jesus' name, amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.